Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. Hello, everybody. Are you all good? In the hood. Awesome. You know, I was saying to the first service, uh, just before the service, actually, I, uh, I was speaking with two ladies. Uh, Auntie Mari, who's been in our church uh, forever in a day, she's 90. She turns 90 on the 10th of June this year. She's 90, and she was sitting next to Auntie Edna. And when I said to hello, Auntie Edna, how old are you? She said, I'm 93. <laughs> 93. How many? That's old. And they're so young at heart, and they're so vibrant. And, they're, and, and people say, look at a church like ours, and, and they go, oh, it must be for young people. Not at all. It's for anybody who's young at heart and who's got vision for their life and who wants to get something done in this world, right? I need some amens out there, 10 o'clock. It's for responsive people. It's for awake people. It's for alive people. It's for people who've got something going on. Hey, awesome all. Morning, so good to be together this morning. Can I ask us, come let's stand to our feet this morning. How many of you came to church? Because the end of it, the core of it, you know you need God to do something in your heart. Is it just me? Come, let's put our hands on our hearts, come and let's pray together. God, these moments of um, quietness, these moments just to prepare ourselves there in our busy um, 21st century Johannesburg lives, they can be few and far between. They can be hard to come by. And just in this moment, in this time, we ask that you'd speak to us. We ask, Father, that today you'd have something deep into our spirits, that your word would go deeply into us, that we would be good stewards of your word, you know, not just hearers, but people who determine to do it. Pray that we'd be responsive to your word this morning, Father, that we'd have a lean in in our spirits, that we'd want to capture all that it is that you want to say to us, that we'd look for points of application, that all throughout the message we'd be speaking to you, asking you to speak to us, asking you to impress upon us what it is for us. So ask, Father, that you'd speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you'd encourage us, inspire us, challenge us, comfort us, move us, do what you need to do in our lives. And everybody in 10 o'clock who is ready for God's word said, amen. amen, amen. Thanks, everybody. Please have a seat. I was reading a story the other day about a frustrated young man. He went to go and see the wise man in his village. And uh, he said to the wise guy, hey, I don't know what to do with my life. And how do I find my purpose? The young man asked. It's a question on all of our lives, isn't it? What on earth am I put here for? How do I know what God wants me to do with my life? Anybody ever asked that question before? Follow me, said the old guy. Silently, they trudged together to a faraway river where they found dozens of prospectors looking for gold. They were busy panning for gold. Then the old man said to the young man, he said, I want you to notice there are three types of prospectors here today. What do you mean, the young man asked. He said, well, there are those who strike gold almost immediately. Straight away, they strike gold, and excited, they take their plunder, they cash it in, and then they live comfortably for the rest of their lives, you know? They know that they're gonna have a comfortable life. 
The second group of prospectors are those who have seen others strike it rich. They know there's gold in the river. It's just that they haven't struck it rich yet. And so they continue and they carry on and they persist until they too find the gold that they've been searching for. But it takes a while. What about the third type, asked the young man? Well, these are the individuals that get so frustrated that they haven't found what they're looking for. So after a day, a week, or even a, a month or a year, they give up and they walk away and never, never find gold because they still haven't found what they're looking for, which was a great song by you too. <laughs> Off the Joshua Tree album, released in 1987. If that seems like an an eternity away, it means you are younger than me. <laughs> Slightly confused, the young man asked, what's this got to do with finding my purpose? Oh, yes, the age-old question, the old man replied. He smiled and he looked his companion in the eye and he said to him, there are those in life who find their purpose almost immediately. From a young age, they have a clear sense of purpose and they pursue their dreams with energy and enthusiasm. These guys find gold quickly. Don't you hate those type of people? Some others have to look a little bit harder, but eventually, after a period of time, eventually they get there and they find something to live for. Takes a while, but they find it. The third type is those who desperately want to find their purpose, but they get tired, they get bored, the ADDs, they get bored with the search and they give up too soon. And they return to a life of meaningless wandering. The, old man, the young man asked, can everyone find their purpose? Well, the wise man responded, is there gold in the river? So he asked, well, how do I find my purpose? Keep looking, said the old man. But what if I want to find it quicker, said the young man. Oh, you must be a millennial, said the old man. He said, son, there are no guarantees that you'll be able to find it quickly. The only guarantee is that if you stop looking for it, you'll never find it. The young man looked despondent, feeling that he'd wasted his time with the old man, when he felt a reassuring hand on his shoulder. He said, I can sense your frustration, but let me assure you, if you can find your true calling in life, you will live with passion. You'll make the world a better place. You'll be richer than you could ever imagine, and you'll feel as though the very face of God himself is smiling upon you. That may happen next week, next month, or in the years ahead, but the search will be worth it, and your life will never be the same again. So for now, young man, your purpose is to find your purpose. Thanks, he says. Oh, and there's one last thing I forgot to mention. Well, what's that? He said, just as those men and women needed to get down to the river with a pan to pan for gold, so we need to remain active to find our purpose. We don't fit it, find it sitting around at home doing nothing. How many of you know you don't find your purpose sitting in a coffee shop drinking coffee? It was now getting late, and so the two men turned around and began their long walk back to their village. As they walked, the young man was deep in thought about what he had just been told. And the wise man smiled to himself, knowing that conversations like this were an important part of him living out his purpose. What on earth are we here for? What's God put us here for? 
a question on all of our minds, isn't it? And at various stages in our life, if you like me, the, this question comes and goes with greater levels of intensity. What are we here for? What has God put us on this earth? What's our purpose? I, I can remember reading a book by Pastor Rick Warren many years ago. It's become a classic now. that actually has become second to the Bible. It's become the most sold book in history, a book called The Purpose Driven Life. Maybe some of you have read it. If you've never read it before, as a follow-on and as a point of application, if you want to be a good steward of God's Word, you need to not only hear His Word, but you need to do His Word. You could get hold of this book. You can find it almost anywhere books are sold. It's a phenomenal book. But in that book, he starts, Pastor Rick starts with this statement. The very first statement is he goes, it's not about you. So you buy a book called The Purpose Driven Life, and the first line is, it's not about you. But in that book, he kind of gives five general purposes. I'll mention them very quickly because I'm building a foundation. I'm going somewhere with this this morning. But the, the general comes before the specific. And he makes five general purposes clear to us. He says, five general purposes, every human being, doesn't matter whether they're in Bangladesh or Mauritius. It doesn't matter whether you're black, white, colored Indian. It doesn't matter whether you're a millennial or a baby boomer. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. Everybody was made for these five things. Number one, we were all planned for God's purpose. We were created to love God and for Him to love us. The reason God created us is simply out of love. Guess what? God wasn't bored. When He created mankind, it wasn't as though He was bored. It was that He wanted to love. So we were planned for God's pleasure. You were put on this earth to connect with the God who loves you. That's the first purpose every human being exists for. We were made to love God. We were made so He could love us, right? There's a song we're going to be singing soon. It goes, I was found before I was lost. God loved us before any of the drama happened of sin and all that nonsense. So we were planned for God's pleasure. Number two, we were formed for His family. We were made to be together as the church. We were made, guess what? By virtue of you being here this morning, you are fulfilling the second purpose of your life is that you were formed to be part of God's family. You were formed to become part of the church. The church is not the building. The, you are the church. I'm, we are the church. Are you with me? Now, let me give you an important thing. Some, somebody needs to know that this family the church family is going to become more important than your physical family. You might say to me, that's ridiculous. My family is very important. Let me tell you why. Because in, the, in eternity, this family is going to be the one that's going to be here. Are you with me? This, you, you better get to like the person next to you because you're going to go to heaven with them. <laughs> Which is why people who hop from church to church to church, I think have got a rude awakening coming their way. One day when they get to heaven, guess what? God's going to put their next door neighbor next to them. Guess who it's going to be? The dude that offended them in the last church. It's like, we're going to get to, oh, here's, God says, here's your mansion. And he's like, oh, this is awesome. And then he says, just wait till you see who your next door neighbor is. <laughs> How many of you know that offense is always taken? It's never given. If you got offended somewhere, it was taken by you, not the other person gave it. So you need to get over your offense because you're going to be in heaven one day with those people. We were formed for God's family. We were formed to be the church. Um. You know, baptism, uh, Kami spoke about it a little bit earlier. Ba not, baptism is not some optional ritual that, you, that we can get to choose to do if we want to. Baptism is a command from Jesus to, that the moment we come to faith, we should be baptized. Right? Well, 
you know, a wedding band. Uh, uh, in the first service, I said, showed them my wedding band. It's on the wrong finger, but Pastor Ken's in Edenville, so I can do anything I want today, basically. So a wedding band shows that I'm married. It doesn't make me married. This doesn't make me married, right? The decision of my heart makes me married. The vows I've said before God make me married. The, the piece of, are you with me? You know, baptism doesn't make you saved, but it demonstrates to people that you are. It doesn't make you have faith in Christ. It shows that you have faith in Christ. Some of you need to put the wedding band on next week. Baptisms are happening next week. We, we are going to go ballistic for you. You're going to get baptized over there. We're going to scream for you. We're going to shout for you. We're going to love you. You're going to come out of the water and have the most amazing experience. And the whole church is just going to love on you. It's going to be beautiful. And there's a baptism class happening straight after the service. So you should get to that and just make sure that you don't. Listen, some of us, we go to, oh, God, should I be baptized? We get incense and we start swinging it and hope that the smell and the puff of cloud will just make it more spiritual. Should I get baptized? Should I? Da, 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 da. You don't need to pray about something Jesus has already commanded you to do. So just take the step. Put the wedding band on. Healthy families always want to show that they're part of a family. If you're baptized, you should always want to show you're part of Jesus' family. Can I hear some amens out there? Anyway, so you're formed for his family, planned for his pleasure. You were created to become like Christ. All of us, God made us so that we could become more Christ-like. And before any of us get obsessed with or interested in what it is that God might want from our lives or might, what he might want to do in our lives, uh, the, the, the most fundamental thing in our lives is that we become more Christ-like. How do you know if you've got the heart of God? You stop praying prayers of God do X, Y, and Z for me, and you start praying prayers like God do X, Y, and Z in me. Are you with me? Fundamental difference. So we were planned for God's pleasure, formed for his family, created to become like Christ. We were shaped for serving God. God gave each one of us a specific shape. Some of us, it's round. I'm going to talk a little bit more about our shape a little bit later, so let me move on. And fifthly, we were made for a mission. What do, we, what do you mean we were made for a mission? We, Jesus, Jesus gave us two commands, hey? Actually, there's three things that every Christ follower should do. Number one, should get baptized. Number two, should take communion regularly. And, and number three, fulfill the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. We're going to get to heaven one day, and God's not going to ask, listen, did you rock the lead guitar in your church band? How, how amazing were you? Did you do, you know, he's not going to ask, did you make the best cappuccino? He's not going to ask, did you lead the most rocking missions trips? He's going to ask, did you make disciples? Is there anybody that you brought along with you on your faith journey and you poured your life into? Jesus chose 12, and they changed the world. You don't need to have a lot in order to change. You just need to have one person. If you, can, you might say to me, how am you in the faith? I don't know how to do that. Well, if you got saved last week, you can help somebody get saved this week. And you can learn together. Discipleship is not some program that everybody runs. Discipleship is you finding somebody that you can pour your life into. Maybe today there'll be a young man or a young lady out on the deck afterwards. And you go up to them and say, hey, do you want to walk a journey with me? Maybe there's a friend in your life. Maybe there's somebody that God puts on your radar. But Jesus is going to ask us one question. Hey, did you make disciples? Did you, did you do that? And everything else is going to like pale into insignificance. I need some amens. So five things, five general purposes, which we're all created for. 
Having said that, God has created each one of us with specific wirings, with specific personalities, with specific gifts, that we're supposed to do something specific. Like, I know that there are some things that I should do and there's some things I shouldn't do. Like, I should not be in charge of maintenance because if I was to change a light bulb, I'd blow the whole DB board, right? There's some stuff I can do, some stuff I can't do. Some things I should do, some things I shouldn't do. Same with you. I wanna give you five questions this morning that you and I can answer in order to know what it is that God has wired us to do specifically. Now, let me make the point. Before you get obsessed or stressed about the specific, fulfill the general. In other words, understand you are made to love God. Understand you are planned for His pleasure. Understand you are formed for this church. Understand before you have a responsibility for any specific purpose, you have a responsibility to be in church. Are you with me? You have a responsibility. Your presence really matters here. You, you were made to make disciples. You were made to bring somebody. You were, you were created to become more like Jesus. So my principle is this. Fulfill the general before you stress about the specific. Before you worry about being an, an awesome vocalist, first make sure you're a co connected, integrated part of church. Make sure you've been through Move Forward, for example, before you want to uh, sing your heart out over here. I often have people come to me and say, hey, I can speak really well, you know. Um, I'd love to be on the platform team. I said, oh, you can speak well. Can you serve well? Many, many, stand on your chair quickly if you don't mind. This, this young man's been in the church forever and a day because his family lives across the road. How long have you been in church for? How many years? How many? I thought you did a Musi my money, 44 out of 10. Listen properly. 18 to 20 years. How old are you now? Like, like 22. Okay. He's been, he's been in church for 18 years. How long have you been serving in church for? Forever. He only recently got released onto platform. Are you with me? First you serve, then you minister. How, when, uh, so you've been in church for 18 odd years or 20 odd years. Tell us when you got baptized. You got baptized last year. Isn't that awesome? I feel like I need to say to somebody here, so you've been like, oh, I've been in church for years. I, I don't know if I should get baptized. This oak waited eight, how many, like 18 years you've been in this church. And then you got baptized. Maybe that'll encourage somebody here to be baptized next week. But my point is you do the general before you do the specific. I can remember um, when Pastor Ken and I started dating, I was in one church, she was in this church. She was much more involved here than I was there. So when we got engaged, we decided, okay, let's, uh, I will come across this side because it, it's much easier for me to uproot myself than it would be for her. So I came across here. My first job, when I got here, I said, hey guys, so like, what do you want me to do? Like, what can I do? Well, I got hands, feet, you know? And they said, okay. Can you sell sweets to the kids? Now, it was in the resource center. There was like a sweet table. I'll never forget it. In fact, when it started, there wasn't even that reason. It was just a table like at the back of the church. The kids used to come to me. I was their favorite oak. They used to come to me. I used to load the kids up with sugar and then give them back to their parents. <laughs> and then after that, when we, when we first had Caitlin, 
They, they, I was in the parents' room all the time. I got, I got the parents' room job. I was the dude in the parents' room who used to have to put the nappies, you know, because the muhu parents that don't clean up after. I used to have to take those dirty nappies and pop them in the nappy bin. You know that one? Yeah, they are. Next time you see the people in the parents' room, just like thank them and say thank you for that because they do all that kind of stuff. I was the guy who had to clean it up, put on the aircon, wipe up the vomit from the kids. Like, yeah. And then I, then I got the job of putting on air cons. And so I'm obsessed with the temperature in the building. Cause. So first, first do what you're asked to do. And then you graduate from there. First do what you're called to do. First do the general. So I'm, I'm in this church. I'm called to be part of this place. I am the church. I have hands, I have feet, I have gifting. And then God will use you more specifically. Are you with me? Now back to those five questions of how it is you can know what it is that God's called you specifically to do. I'll put it in an acronym for you called SHAPE. So this is how it is that you can understand what your gifts and your talents are. The S stands for spiritual gifts. It's not gonna be on the screen because I want you guys to concentrate. <laughs> Oh, there it is. <laughs> spiritual gifts. This is for spiritual gifts. Do you know that when Christ ascended to the, uh, into the heavens, he gave the church the commission to go and spread the gospel. As part of that, he put spiritual gifts into each and every one of you. You might not know this, but you carry a spiritual gift inside of you. The moment you gave your life to Christ, the moment Christ inhabited your life with his Holy Spirit, he deposits a spiritual gift inside of you. Some people have got the gift of administration. Spreadsheets turn them on. Can you believe it? Other people have got the gift of hospitality. They want nothing than to better than to feed people and make coffee for people, you know? Some of our barista teams and our pizza team, aren't the pizza team absolutely amazing? Don't you love those guys? It's not just that they make pizza. It's like, oh, we want to feed you, you know? Every week I go out there, they go, you fed us now, we feed you. And like, oh, give me a pizza. It's awesome. Some people have got the gift of leadership. So many gifts. Now, if you want to know what your spiritual gift is, Move forward, which is absolutely free. Happens every single week of the, of the month. The weeks of the month, week one, two, three, and four. We go through week one of move forward, two, week three, week four. In other words, you could start next week even. But week three specifically helps you with spiritual gifts. You get to understand how you're wired, what God might have put inside of you. If you feel frustrated that you don't know what it is that God might have put inside of you, it should be in, week, in move forward. Even from next week onwards, just to understand that. That's the best practical next step I could give you if you're saying, there's something within me reson that resonates within me. The H stands for heart. Like, what is it that you love to do? What gets your heart beating faster, you know? What is it that you absolutely love? Like, there are people that get a massive, massive kick out of doing, like, facilities and making things straight and neat. And other people, their heart just beats for people, you know. They just want to be around people. Uh, some people, they, they love computers. They hate people and love computers. They're all in the back. There's the techies. Turn around and say, hi, guys. See, they're hiding even now. So what's, what's your heart? The E is for your... Sorry, the A. What am I doing? A. The E is coming later. A is for abilities. What, what, what is it that you can do well? You might say, I don't know if I know. Uh, you, I don't know if I do anything well. You do. Everybody does something well. 
We all do something well. What, you, if you answer these five questions, you'll begin to put together the puzzle piece of your life. What's your spiritual gift? You can find it in move forward. What's your heart? You know what you love to do. What's your A? Uh, uh, what, what are the abilities that God's given you? What is it that you can do? Uh, there's some vocalists, there's some people who sing here. There's some people who play guitar. There's some people who are music. You could get up on that keyboard right now and just play by ear. You, some, some people are so musically gifted. You, come on, you should be part of the team. Use your gifts for the church. The P is your personality. Are you introverted or extroverted? I've always found it so, uh, it's, it's so beautiful, actually. After the service, whenever we've got guests and people have made a decision for Jesus, some of them will guide into the lobby and in the foyer. Those are all the extroverts. They're like, oh, I just want to be with people. Like, and then all the introverts, like, they'll go into the guest coffee bar. No, like, I just want the quietness. I just want to connect with one person, you know? It doesn't matter how you're wired. God gave you that personality. There's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. It's just you, and whoever you are is good. But you've got a personality, and your personality fits your purpose. And the E stands for experience. Well, what's God given you in, in the way of experience? Like, what is it that you can do? You know, that you're experienced at doing, and that you know how to do. Answer those five questions. I guarantee you, you'll begin to get a clear picture of what God can do in your life. Let me encourage you this morning. There's four things that God can turn in your life into purpose. Firstly, He can turn your passion into purpose. He can turn your passion into purpose. I want to read you a story about Moses. Now, before we go to the text, the context here is that, for those of you who might not know, Moses was a Hebrew. He was born into Egypt. Born into a time when the pharaoh of Egypt was busy getting rid of newborn babies. Hebrew newborn babies. Moses was rescued literally from a river in a basket by Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter was an unwitting part of Moses' mom and sister's plan. So Moses gets rescued from slaughter, put into a basket, raised in the Egyptian palaces of Egypt. But he's, so his DNA is Hebrew but his upbringing is Egyptian. And yet, something deep within him, he carries a passion for God's people. Because he walks around Egypt one day, and as he's walking around, he sees the Hebrew slaves being oppressed. Come with me to Exodus 2, and you'll see it. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. And so during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. That's where the saying dead and buried comes from. Some of you are like, is he serious? No, <laughs> kidding. God took Moses' passion and he turned it into a purpose. Because 40 years after that, after wandering in the wilderness, he gets the job of liberating the people. He sees one and he liberates them. So God says, oh, you see one. I can take a whole nation and I can liberate them through you. Don't, don't ever be discouraged with the power of one. If God could use you for the one, he can use you for the 10. He can use you for a hundred. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. You get asked to do something, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Get stuck and do it to the best of your ability. God will promote you and you'll get your purpose for your life on a grander scale than you could have ever imagined. So God can take your passion and he can turn it into purpose. God can take your privilege and turn it into purpose. I'll read you an amazing story from the book of Acts and it's Luke that's busy writing here. 
And uh, he's telling us about a lady called Lydia. Lydia, just before we read, Lydia was the first, scholars suggest, the first European convert to Christianity. This, is, this lady is an important lady. Now watch who she is and watch what she does. Right. So this is Luke. He, write, he wrote the book of Acts. He's telling us about their missionary trips all over the show. He goes, finally, we reached Philippi. It was a major city in the Roman colony of Macedonia. And we remained there for a number of days. When the Sabbath day came, we went outside the gates of the city to the nearby river. For there appeared to be a house of prayer and worship there. See how they're like, oh, there's church. Let's go to church. doesn't matter where we are. You know, some people go on holiday. They're like, oh, I'm going on holiday. I'm not going to church. You should go to church wherever you find yourself. Sitting on the riverbank, we struck up a conversation with some of the women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia. Watch this. A businesswoman from the city of Theatira who was a dealer of exquisite purple cloth. She was trading at the Oriental Plaza, my Bruce. <laughs> she was making cool suits and things like that. <laughs> and she was a Jewish convert. While Paul shared the good news with her, God opened her heart to receive Paul's message. She devoted herself to the Lord, and we baptized her and her entire family. Do you see how quickly she got baptized? Decision, baptism. No incense, no six months of prayer, no begging God, should I just, decision, baptized. It's amazing. And then it says afterwards, she urged us to stay in her home, saying, since I'm now a believer in the Lord, come and stay in my house. So we were persuaded to stay there. The moment she came to faith, she used her privilege. She used her wealth. She was a wealthy poppy, this lady. She had exquisite purple cloth. You just didn't just deal in exquisite purple cloth, right? She was at the top of her industry. She had money. She had influence. She had resource. And the minute she uses her wealth, she uses her privilege, she uses her privilege for God's, for the purposes of God. Now I'll ask you this morning, how are you using your privilege? Some of you have great resource. Some of you have great finance behind you. Some of you have great talents and giftings. Some of you have amazing opportunities. You've got people in our church who do all sorts of incredible things. How are you using your privilege? Come on, if you're a person with resource, can I encourage you to stretch and give sacrificially like Manny said. You know, we've got a kids facility that we want to extend. Where it, it, that takes cash. How many of you know it takes money to reach people? Because we've got to lift the roof off of our offices. We've got to be able to build some offices on top of that. And then we've got to convert those areas into kids' uh, ex, uh, kids' classrooms. That takes serious money. Some of you have got enormous privilege. And with enormous privilege comes enormous responsibility. I was um, having dinner with a couple from our Edenville campus two weeks ago. They invited me for supper. So I went off to their home and... Uh, their home is one, one of these very um, smart estates, one of these quite swanky estates out towards Greenstone area. And I drove through the estate, I was like, sheesh, this is nice. Got into their house, I was like, sheesh, this is nice. And I said to them, sheesh, you've got a beautiful home, congratulations. It's good when people are blessed, you know? But now listen, to, she said, thank you, we have a beautiful home. We've been so blessed by God. We've got so much privilege, but listen to what she said. She said, we, we trusted God for a beautiful home. And he gave it to us. You know why we trusted him for a beautiful home? Because she said, I've always had a burden on my heart 
to open our home to people less fortunate. And specifically, I've always had a burden on my heart for prostitutes and for ladies who are caught up in the sex trade. And so what she does is she's part of a ministry called Cherished. She has open house evenings where, where the ladies are invited. They come to her house. She pampers them. She takes care of them. She says, I want to give them a picture of a home that's different to the homes they've ever experienced before. And so this beautiful home that we have, God's blessed us with so that we can bless others. You see, there's always a purpose to your privilege, church. Don't sit on your privilege. Come on, deploy it for the purposes of God. If you haven't yet given to vision offering, you could grab a brochure at the info desk so that we can extend our kids' facilities. I'm speaking to somebody here. You're sitting on great resource. You could do amazing things with it. The wonderful thing about money is it's amoral, not immoral. Amoral means it takes on the morality of the person in in whose hands it is. You all still with me? Receiving something this morning? God can take your passion like Moses, turn it into purpose. He can take your privilege like Lydia, turn it into purpose. He can take your pain and turn it into purpose. There's this beautiful story where Jesus confronts Peter. For those of you who might not know, Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. Not only was he one of the 12, he was one of the three, the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him on the, on the eve of his crucifixion. Peter said, there's no way, Jesus, you're smoking Zol or something. I don't know what you're smoking, but you're mad. And Peter said, three times before the rooster crows, three times you'll deny me. True is Bob. Uh, I don't know why Bob got that rap, but we say true is Bob. True is Manny, it happened. And Peter, so Peter, I mean, Peter enters a really dark period of his, time, of his life. He goes back to his fishing. He, do, he goes back to the thing he was doing before. Peter's devastated. Peter's experiencing deep levels of pain because of the pain that he's caused Jesus. He knows he denied Jesus. He knows that he forsook him, and he's in pain with us. So Christ died, buried, resurrected. Jesus, in his resurrected state, he comes to Peter one day. He has an appointment with Peter. Peter is out fishing again. We see the picture of Peter fishing. We, we know that he's fishing again, and the Bible's trying to tell us something here, that Peter's gone back to his old way of life. But Jesus has an appointment with Peter, and in John 21, we see how Jesus now uh, gets eyeball to eyeball with Peter, and he confronts the pain of Peter's denial with him. And Jesus asked him, Peter, son of John, do you have great affection for me? Peter was saddened by being asked the third time and said, my Lord, you know everything. You know that I burn with love for you. Peter was offended because Jesus was checking three times. How many of you guys would be like me? If I was Jesus, I'd be like, you denied me three times. I think I want to double check you three times. Is that okay? (laughs) Jesus replied, then feed my lambs. Peter, listen, when you were younger and you made your own choices, you went up where you pleased. But one day where you're, when you're old, others will tie you up and escort you where you would not choose to go. And you will spread out your arms. Jesus said this to Peter as a prophecy of what kind of death he would die for the glory of God. And then he said to Peter, follow me. And Peter began to be a church builder extraordinaire eventually martyred for his faith. You know, Peter and his wife were both crucified for their faith. Peter's wife was crucified first. They wanted to inflict more torture on Peter by crucifying his wife first. And as his wife walked past him to her crucifixion, he said to her, remember the Lord. She died crucified. And then he said, I'm not worthy to die like my Lord, so would you crucify me upside down, please? Jesus took his pain 
and turned it into a deep sense of purpose. This morning, I don't know what pain you carry, but I want to say to you, if you're a young lady here, God can take the pain of your abuse, emotional, sexual, mental, physical, and he can turn it into great purpose. He can take the pain of your rejection, pain of the disappointment, pain of the disillusionment, the pain of your past. God can take the pain of your past and he can turn it into great purpose. Some of you have been sitting, as it were, like almost just paralyzed. The word I think God is giving me for you is that you're paralyzed by your past. Whoever the guy was who did whatever he did to you, he robbed you of a certain number of years. Don't let him rob you, rob you of your future. Amen? God can take our pain, but he can also take our past and turn it into the purpose. In Luke's gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book of the New Testament, Luke is writing and he tells us a story about a man who got set free from Jesus. Jesus comes to this man. He sees that he's literally bound in chains by, uh, by demons. He says to him, what's your name? And he goes, lesion or mob, because there's many of us in me. This guy's demon-possessed. Jesus frees him. Jesus casts these demons out of him. Jesus, in one, you know, it just takes one sentence from Jesus. Some of us feel like we've, we, maybe, maybe we think finding freedom is harder than what it is. It, it, it's just one, it's just one soul coming to Jesus and saying, I've been tormented for too long. Could you free me? And the man who had been set free begged Jesus over and over not to leave, saying, let me be with you. And Jesus sent him away with these instructions. Return to your home and family. Watch how he gives him a purpose. He takes his pain, he takes his past, and he gives him a purpose. And tell them the wonderful things God has done for you. So the man went away and preached to everyone who would listen about the amazing miracle Jesus had worked in his life. The tests that you faced in the past can turn into a testimony. Let me say this to us, that purpose is not a fancy destination. It's a long, dusty journey. Purpose is not in the prestigious. Sometimes it's in the mundane. Here's my prayer for each one of us. May you find great joy as you fulfill the general purposes of God, and may you find great joy as you discover his specific purposes for your life. Come, let's pray together, shall we, church? There's just a moment for you to connect with God, just wherever you are right now. It's just, a, I'm just gonna give you a moment of silence and I'm gonna read a, a scripture to you in Colossians. I wanna read this over you, okay? It comes from Colossians chapter one. Verses 15 all the way through to 18. This is the prayer that I'm praying over you. It says, we look at the sun and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and we see God's original purpose in everything created. Here's the, here it is, church. Come on, l- listen to this this morning. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him 
and finds its purpose in Him. Let me read that to you again. Everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. He was there before any of it came into existence and He holds it all right together at this moment. Let's pray together. Father, would you help us to understand how to cultivate the purpose that you've put inside of me for your name and for your glory. Lord, would you help me to cultivate the purpose that you've put inside of me for your name and for your glory. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.